Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. Good evening. It is so good to be here with you together tonight. Before I begin my lesson, I'm going to take a minute and tell you about this chair that I'm in because I always get a thousand questions about it before I leave. When I was here last year, I was in a regular push chair, but I uh, had a member of the church where I preach now who bought me this, and it has been a great blessing. If you are familiar with a segue that uh, sometimes you will see uh, police officers, uh, it's a self-balancing wheel. It's the company that makes the Segway that makes this chair, and it balances on two wheels. It also has the ability to climb stairs. One wheel will come up over the other wheel, and it will go upstairs. You can put it in four-wheel drive, and it will go through water, it will go through mud. Uh, Last year I rode through five or six inches of snow and it never missed a beat. So this chair is absolutely incredible. It's been a great blessing to me. But probably the greatest thing about it is the ability to see people eye to eye. The first two years when I was just in a regular chair and uh, you're constantly looking up at people, it's kind of uh, dehumanizing. And you forget. And when I got this chair and I was able to look people eye to eye again, it was so great and such a refreshing experience. And uh, I've gotten to the point now where with this, where I can spin around and um, uh, have conversations, I feel like uh, I'm talking, like I'm walking and I can hold conversations and it feels very normal. You know, one of the great things about it. Before my accident, I was five foot seven, and in this chair, I'm almost six foot. And so you can add a cubit to your stature. You know, I have, um, since I had my accident to three and a half years ago, there have been a lot of strange things that have happened. There have been a lot of challenges along the way. I take a lot of medicine for uh, muscle relaxers and pain relievers, and some of them make me very, very drowsy. And I struggle with that. And so I carry these little five-hour energy drinks with me to keep me awake. And we were driving recently, and uh, I was getting drowsy. And I drive, and I can drive with my hands. And so I reached in the the door, and I got a five-hour energy drink. And it's got that little plastic thing around the top that keeps the lid on. So I handed it to Sherry, and I said, can you open this for me? So I just meant take the plastic off. So... To be helpful, she went ahead and took the lid off and handed it back to me. And I thought, well, it's been in the door. Surely it needs to be shaken up. So I took it, and I thought, well, I'll just pound it on my chest. And so I slung five-hour energy drink all over our van. But I tell you what, it woke me up. (laughs) And so I am making a last-minute change. I was going to talk tonight about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, but at dinner, Paul was mentioning a lesson that I did at Polishing the Pulpit, 
and he said he thought it was a good one and would be beneficial tonight. And so I pulled my laptop open. I just now sent them the PowerPoint. And so I'm going to make a last-minute change, and I'm going to deal with a lesson that I haven't looked at in a while. So hopefully winging this is not going to be a mistake. One of the topics that they assigned me at Polishing the Pulpit this year was, is technology killing God's people? And I thought that was a very interesting topic to assign me because I'm the director of the Gospel Broadcasting Network. We have, I have, for the last 17 years, been working with technology. We are an organization that uses every means of modern technology to reach people with the gospel. And so my point is, technology is not all bad. In fact, the way we're using technology, it is very, very good. In the beginning, GBN, our intention was to use satellite TV. But in the last several years, we have made a strong push towards social media, and we engage a lot of people every single week. We are making contacts through social media, and then they contact us. We do studies online and on the phone and through Zoom, and on average, a week never passes that we don't have at least one baptism. A lot of our engagement comes through the GBN app. If you don't have the GBN app, I would like to encourage you to download it. You can get it for your phone, you can get it for your tablet, and it is a great, great app. We have studies on every book of the Bible. You can go through and watch it. You've got summaries. We have now installed uh, commentaries. We have commentaries on 54 of the 66 books of the Bible and they are good, sound commentaries. They are absolutely free. You can download them in a PDF format, or you can view them right on the website, uh, on the app, or you can go to our website, gbntv.org, and we are continuing to work to get all 66 books of the Bible there. So that is a great resource, and they are in-depth studies of each book of the Bible. Brethren, I believe that God has providentially allowed us to develop the incredible means of modern technology so that we can reach people with the gospel. On the day of judgment, the Lord might ask us, why did you not take the gospel to the entire world, to which we might be tempted to say, Lord, there were 8 billion people. We couldn't possibly reach them all, to which he may respond, Why did you not use the technology that I gave you? Why did you not use the internet and smartphones and all of these devices that were connected 24 hours a day? Brethren, I don't believe that God has allowed us the modern technology just so that we can binge watch Hulu. I think that we have it for good. You see, the problem, though, is that the devil also knows how to use technology, And he's good at it. Now, I love technology. I have an iPhone. I have an iPad. I have an Apple Watch. I have a MacBook Pro. I have an iMac at work. I have an iMac at home. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing that I do is reach over and I turn off the alarm that's ringing on my iPhone. And then I pick it up. I check my text messages. I check my emails. I check my Facebook. I look at the morning news. Then I reach over and I take the app and I turn off the air conditioner. I adjust the temperature. I tell Alexa to turn the lamp on. That's all before I get out of bed. 
My life is intertwined with technology. In fact, modern technology and Alexa and the connections in the house have greatly helped me since I have been a paraplegic. It is so nice to be able to control things that way. Before I get into the meat of this lesson, let me define my terms. When I talk about technology, I'm referring to smartphones, tablets, the internet, television, movies, media, all of the high-tech delivery devices through which we communicate to include Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, YouTube, etc. All of these things have brought us some new challenges. When Sherry and I got married, I didn't have a cell phone. In fact, I didn't even know anyone that had a cell phone. Uh, To us at that time, a phone was something that rich people had in their cars. Um, I didn't own a computer. I'd never heard of the internet. I'd never heard of email. All of these things are relatively new in our society. Is technology killing God's people? I want to cover four points tonight. Number one is minutes. Number two is morality. Number three is misinformation. And number four is mission. We're going to cover all four of those. Here's the first one. I want to talk about minutes. Is technology killing God's people? When I say minutes, what I mean is our time. Technology is a huge time sucker. A while back, Facebook bought TikTok. And Facebook started showing these short little videos. And very rapidly, they find out what you like. And so if you like basketball, they'll start showing you basketball videos. And it is extremely addictive. I like shooting and guns and knives. And so it, lo- it learns what you like, and it starts showing you these videos. Most of them are a few seconds long, a minute long. And so you watch one, and you watch another, and you watch another. And I found one day, I was watching it, and I, it's only a minute long. You know, what's the big deal? And I'd watch another, and I'd watch another. And I realized very quickly I had wasted an hour and I gained absolutely nothing. Technology is a huge time sucker. Listen to what our Lord said. John 9 and verse 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. What was our Lord saying? He was saying, I have work that I have been put here to do, and I've got to stay on task. I've got to manage my time. I cannot allow myself to become distracted to the point that I don't accomplish my mission. And most of social media does exactly that. Can you imagine the time that would be regained if every Christian in the world would lay aside all of his social media for one day and use that time to evangelize or a week? What if every Christian said for one month, no social media, all the time that we spend on this, we're going to spend evangelizing? I think about Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16. The Bible says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, that's interesting language, redeeming the time. The word redeeming there in the Greek carries with it the idea of buying it back. I'm going to buy back the time, he says, because the days are evil. He doesn't mean wicked. They're evil in the sense that they're they're slipping away. The time is slipping away from us. So you're trying to get it back because it is slipping away. I'm trying to grasp it. Let me illustrate this. Have you ever had a day that 
you started off with a list of grand things that you intended to accomplish, but you get to the end of the day and you have gotten nothing done and you don't know where it went. You ever had that happen? Nod your head. We've all had that happen, right? Forbes.com says that in 2021, the average American spent 3.5 hours per day on social media, more than 1,300 hours per person last year, 25 hours per week. Think about that. 25 hours a week. That would give you a full additional day back. Two work days, if you're talking about eight-hour days, Facebook led the way at 58 minutes per day. Now, let's do some math. This is according to Forbes. If an average person begins using social media at the age of 13 and they die at the age of 79, here's the breakdown. Over a lifespan, that is nearly 10 years spent using social media. Just for comparison's sake, one company gave this information. They said the amount of time we spend watching TV, seven years and eight months. The amount of time we spend eating and drinking, three years and five months. Grooming, one year, ten months. Socializing, one year, three months. Doing laundry, six months. I know it feels like a lot more than that, but they say only six months. That means that the average person will spend more time in his lifetime on social media than he does doing laundry, socializing, and grooming put together. He will spend more time than he spends eating and drinking. You think we're distracted by technology? Presently, the average person spends nearly 12% of his life on social media and technology. Now, I want you to consider how many people say this. I don't have time to study my Bible. I don't have time to memorize scripture. I don't have time to conduct Bible studies. Maybe we don't have time because we're distracted. Common Sense Media found that the overall screen use amongst teens and tweens increased by 17% in the last two years. I suspect that COVID had something to do with that. But on average, daily screen use amongst tweens, I didn't know what a tween was, but that's ages 8 to 12. Daily screen use among tweens went from five, has gone up to five hours and 33 minutes a day. For teens, seven hours and 22 minutes a day. That's from age 13 to 18. I heard Brother Wendell Winkler years ago telling a story. He said he was teaching a class on stewardship. And he suggested at this particular congregation that they set 10% as a beginning point for the amount of money that we should give back to the Lord. And he said that there was an elderly woman, probably in her 80s, raised her hand. And she said, Brother Winkler, can I ask a question? And he said, certainly. And she said, we always suggest that we give 10% of our money to the Lord. She said, why don't we suggest the same thing with regard to our time? Why don't we give 10% of our time to the Lord? It's a good suggestion, isn't it? Think about this. There's 168 hours in a week, and so if you rounded that off, that would be 17 hours per week. And so if a man read his Bible and prayed for one hour a day, 
That would be seven hours. Let's say that that same man attends all the services of the Lord's church, Sunday morning, Sunday uh, Bible class, Sunday evening, a midweek Bible study, and one other function during the week, a training class, a fellowship meal, whatever. That would be five more hours. That would bring him to 12 hours. Let's say that same individual gets off work every day at 4 o'clock. Let's say on Monday he visits the nursing home for one hour. On Tuesday, he goes to the hospital and visits brethren for one hour. On Wednesday, he goes to see any visitors who might have come to the services on Sunday, one hour. Wednesday, he visits the unfaithful in the congregation for one hour. When that man gets through with all of that, he will still have 90% of his time left. People say, ah, we couldn't do all that but we already do more than that on social media. That's why the first point is minutes. Secondly, are God's people being distracted or hurt, destroyed by social media? The second point is morality. Now, let me tell you about morality. I want to talk to you first about homosexuality. Has homosexuality gained ground in our country? I saw a statistic recently that said... In 1988, I was in high school in 1988, support for gay marriage then was 11%. I was in a conservative area, so I would say it was less than 11%. Where I was, I didn't even know a homosexual. In 2021, it was 70%. We went from 11% to 70%. This year in June, in fact every year now, is Pride Month. And if you use a television service like Hulu or Netflix or Disney, they celebrate it. In fact, they had a whole line of television programs celebrating homosexuality. And Disney is not even being secretive about this anymore. Disney now says, we are pushing it. In fact, I've got a sermon that I've, ju- I've done uh, just recently on homosexuality where I've got some video clips where the production manager of Disney has said by the end of this year, they intend to have either a gay, lesbian, transgender, or multicultural person present on every new program produced at Disney. In June of this year, they put out their new a Buzz Lightyear program in which they had the first uh, animated gay kiss on television. And discussing all of that, they said, we used to have to be secretive about this, and we used to have to put it into programs here and there, and they said, we don't even have to do that anymore. They said, we're just open about the way we do it. Friends, here's the question. These, the, a large majority of people now believe that we are born gay. People who are gay are born that way. If the evidence says the opposite of that, why do the majority of Americans believe that it is genetic? And here's the answer. Because media has done a good job of spinning this lie. If you read Facebook, you will find it. In fact, On my iPhone, if I swipe all the way to the left, there's a section where you get a news feed and it gives you different news outlets. The problem is called what's going on in the world today. The problem is every one of the choices there are all rank liberal sources that push immorality to include homosexuality. 
you know, it doesn't matter what television program you turn on these days, there's going to be a homosexual on it. Have you noticed that? Even the commercials have homosexuals. And the homosexual is always going to be a smart, reasonable person. Those who oppose it, they're always a bigot. I tell you what, the devil is using these things to brainwash us. Latest statistics say that millennials support homosexual marriage, millennials, at a rate of 83%. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because the media has turned up the heat in the last 20 years, and it has worked. In fact, if you go to uh, christianchronicle.org, you can see that in the Lord's church, it has made an impact. In the Lord's Church, there are articles about some of the Christian colleges, such as Lipscomb, which has celebrated homosexuality, in which they painted us. They had students that painted their bison in rainbow colors and stood around and celebrated the LGBTQ movement. When I heard that and I saw the article, I called a friend of mine who works at Lipscomb and I said, is this right? Is this true? Did this really happen? And he said... Yeah, yeah, I, I work here. It, it really did happen. wasn't a large number of students, but that went on at a brotherhood college. What about in the realm of pornography? Has media hurt us? I tell you what, we know that media has hurt us there. You know, when I was a kid, if a person wanted to buy pornography or get it, they would have to go to some place where they ran the risk of somebody seeing them do it. And because of that, there was kind of a built-in inhibition because they didn't want to be seen. But of course, it's not that way anymore. Now, because of the internet, people can view pornography in the privacy of their homes, and they believe that nobody's ever going to know it. A few years ago, my next-door neighbor came to my house, and he said, I want you to help me. He said, my wife has repeatedly caught me looking at pornography on my cell phone. I didn't even know at the time you could get pornography on your cell phone. But he said, she's going to leave me. She's about to take our our child, our son, and leave. It was destroying his home. According to research, approximately two-thirds of U.S. men now view pornography at least monthly. According to the age breakdown, in the 18 to 30 age group, 79% of men view pornography. In the 30 to 49 age group, 67%. And the 50 to 68 age group, 50%. The study says that 30% of young men in the 18 to 30 age group view pornography every single day. And I'll tell you what, social media, including Facebook, contributes to this. Somebody says, oh, Don, Facebook doesn't allow pornography, but it allows some extreme immodesty. And there are some things on there that are pretty close to pornography. And what happens is young boys will see this, and it gets the wheels turning, and it makes them want to see more. Social media has hurt us with regard to modesty. Social media has distracted us. It has hurt us. Even members of the Lord's church sometimes are sharing immodest pictures and things that bring shame to the body of Christ. Social media has hurt us in the realm of entertainment. The devil has done a good job using movies and TV 
He, he makes us think that homosexuality is normal. If you watch HGTV, you would think that every couple who buys a house is gay. I, I've thought uh, they really push it on there. Through the movies and through TV, the devil gives us storylines about the persecuted gay person. He has us rooting for the adulterous relationship. We hope that the thief won't get caught. You see, the devil successfully breaks down these walls. I was doing a gospel meeting a while back in Texas, and one of the elders had me over to his house for lunch. And in his living room, he had a sign sitting on top of his TV, and it said this, How dare we be entertained by the things that sent Jesus to the cross. I like that. Took a picture of it. How dare we be entertained by the things that sent Jesus to the cross. When it comes to technology and our, and our entertainment, we need to keep that in mind. Number three, we have been hurt in te- the realm of technology with regard to misinformation. Now, what am I talking about? The New York Times had an article not long ago that said that, quote, the experts are worried because social media platforms are filled with misinformation. They said young people have no idea what's real and what is fake. And a big part of the problem is what the experts are calling fake is actually the truth. So somebody puts the truth out there, and the experts will say, oh, that's misinformation, and they they want to cover that up. Forbes.com says, whether it is about the presidential election, climate change, COVID-19 vaccines, misinformation continues to spread rampantly around social media. According to Pew Research Service, a study done in January of this year, more than 8 in 10 U.S. adults, 86% say that they get their news from their smartphone. North Carolina State University did a peer-reviewed study. That is, it's supposed to be a legitimate study. It said that it has unmistakably exposed big tech's most egregious attempt to tilt the scale toward left-wing candidates. What is that talking about? That social media has used their power and their influence to tilt the scales and to redirect, to hide stories. This same article talks about how the Democrat leaders tried to persuade tech company, companies to limit certain information before the Roe versus Wade decision came out, that it was a, was a great victory for us, but they were trying to get them to, to quell some of this information. Don't put that information out there. And so they were using their influence to push liberal media. The top sources that people go to for information, two of the top, are Google and YouTube, both of which are filled with liberal media bias. And so if your child is getting their news that way, they're going to be in trouble. Imagine taking a new convert or taking a child and letting them spend five to seven and a half hours each day reading denominational literature. Imagine that. You let your child spend five to seven and a half hours a day reading error, denominational literature. Would that affect their knowledge of the Bible? That would hurt a mature Christian, wouldn't it? On a different discussion, 
Imagine filling your mind every day with falsehood from the social media. You know, it's a different discussion for a different day, but the Lord's church is getting hurt because we've got preachers that spend their time reading denominational books, they read online commentaries, and they read this denominational material to the point that it taints their thinking. That's part of why GBN is trying to put out these commentaries that has truth for people. Sometimes, in fact, not long ago, I had a fellow, he held an erroneous position on marriage, divorce, and remarriage, and I asked him, where did you get that? And he said, well, I got it on such and such commentary. It was free online. People are using this material because it's free and it teaches error. We need to teach the truth biblically, scientifically, politically, socially, sexually, morally, because if people are getting their material from social media, it's going to be severely skewed. And it's going to be skewed by so-called fact-checkers. Imagine if our young people get their information about religion that way. And they get their information about abortion and about the elections and about COVID. You know, it's interesting the things that uh, were said to us about COVID and how it kept changing. And people would say, well, this is the facts about COVID. Nope, that's false. That's facts. Then the months would change and be, well, that was actually true. Now, the fact checker said it's false. Now, now it's true. Let me move to the next point. I could get bogged down on that one. Here's the next one. I want to talk about the mission. By our mission, what I mean is our objective. Why are we here? Why did God put us on this earth? Brethren, I have a limited amount of time on this earth. What should I be doing with it? And here's the answer. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, now listen to this, and for your pleasure they were created. What is my purpose in life according to this verse? My purpose in life is to bring pleasure to God. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13, we know it well. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole, the King James says, duty of man. They added the word duty. I like it better without it. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole of man. This is the entirety of man. According to these verses, what is our purpose in life? The whole of man, the entirety of man, is to fear God, to keep his commandments, to bring glory to God. And if I fail to do that, I've missed my purpose in life. I might graduate the top of my class and get a PhD and be a respected academic scholar. But if I fail to do this, I've missed my purpose. I might build a huge, successful company and retire as a millionaire. But if I fail to do this, I have missed my purpose. I might find a cure for cancer. But if I fail to do this, I have missed my purpose. I heard a story about a watchmaker who was drafted during the Civil War. And the story says that his unit was positioned at a certain point, and they stayed there for, for weeks waiting to be deployed. And during that time, they weren't doing anything, and so some of the other soldiers began to bring their watches to him to be repaired. And eventually, he had all of these watches, and, and then the order came. It was time to go to battle. 
And this watchmaker said, I can't possibly go to battle. I've got too many watches to repair. You see, he had forgotten why he was there in the first place. Brethren, I believe sometimes we have forgotten why we are here in the first place. We've forgotten what our purpose is. I believe we have a generation of people who has come to believe that their greatest purpose in life is to be entertained. And to that end, we've got smartphones, and they are loaded with music and movies and games, and we've got tablets that are linked to Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime. Fifty percent of houses now have a streaming service. In our cars, we've got DVD players, XM satellite radio, Bluetooth, so that I can play Pandora and Spotify. In our home, we've got Xbox, PlayStation, uh, Dish Network, cable TV, every streaming service you can think of. According to the Nielsen rating stats, the average American adults are watching five hours and four minutes per TV a day, the bulk of which is on our HD large screen TVs. 94% of American homes have them. Some of them are watching on their tablets. 58% of American homes have them. They say that the average household now watches, listen to this, an entire season of a television show in five days. Call it binge watching. Brethren, I don't know how we could look at the number of hours spent watching entertainment and playing with our technology and arguing that we have not been distracted from our mission. I want you to do something for me. Don't share the answer. Just, at, just answer to yourself. How many hours have you spent in prayer this week, if it's hours? How many hours have you spent in Bible study, if it's hours? How many hours have you spent in attendance at worship? How many hours have you spent teaching others or doing evangelism? In Luke 19.10, Jesus said that his mission was to seek and to save the lost. And as his body, he's the head, we're the body. As the body, our mission is the same as his. John 9 and verse 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. That is to say, I have a mission to do. I've got work to do, and I've got a limited amount of time to do it. I will honestly tell you that working on this lesson made me stop and realize that I've been distracted by technology. And it made me think, I want to do better. Is technology killing God's people? You know, it's been a strange thing to me, but since I have been in this wheelchair and been a paraplegic, some of the hobbies that I used to engage in have been taken away from me. And I found I've got more time. I spend more time in Bible study, more time in prayer, more time doing some of these things since my recreation has been taken away. You know, at one point in the life of Jesus, a lawyer came to him and asked him this question. Master, what is the greatest commandment in the law? To which Jesus answered, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all of thy mind, this is the first and the great commandment, Matthew 22, 36 and 37. Brethren, may we never let technology or anything else cause us to lose sight of that goal. Thank you for your attention. I appreciate it so much.
We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.